Ready? Cool. All right. Christmas may be host to mega deals we can drive away with happy, but February is the month we love at Roriconda. For the first time ever, Roriconda will offer 0% financing for up to 60 months on select variables. Vehicles. We say <laughs> select vehicles. <laughs> we say don't be a jagoff and ask which ones. Head to West Liberty Avenue and check out the options. But okay, it's 2020 CRVs, HRVs, and Ridgelines, as well as the 21 Pilot. How about that? Listen to the podcast. Head to Rorick for all of your vehicle needs. And now we will start the Jagoff podcast from construction. According to the Oxford Dictionary, the word Jagoff is defined as a noun which means a stupid, irritating, or... Here's how Pittsburghers define a word jag-off. When someone cuts you off on a parkway. Jag-off! Or someone scares the out of you. Yeah, jag-off! Or it's a term of endearment. How you been, jag-off? This is Mark Madden. Hi, this is Larry Richard. This is Kevin Wildbill. Hey, this is Kurt Angle. Hi, this is Rocky Blyer. Hey, it's Rick Sivak. Hi, this is Greg Brown. Hi, I'm Tyler Kennedy. This is Antonio Holmes. And this is the Jag-off Podcast. So we are coming into the podcast listening like you, you walk around construction junction. You think I have a lot of hard work. My yeah. body's going to hurt. But then you hear Hillary back there going, if I could take him to my house while I'm putting in the sink, I, know. I might not be so angry. <laughs> throwing tools. Well, and I don't know if you heard me, but I said we actually learned how to play the steel pan. We did. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, yeah. so we could jump in, I guess, at some point. So right? this is the Jagoff podcast. If you listen, if you don't listen every week, we'd appreciate you go to either the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe to it. We're here every week with three or four guests. Actually, last week was a little bit different because of the Save Our Stages initiative that we did. We had a, a, a round table. But the fact is we're here every week with local music. And uh, local things, all those cool stuff going on in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And don't forget, listen to the Daily Dose of Happiness on Star 100.7 at 455 with Cal on Air, where John and Rachel do the uh, Daily Dose every day. Every day. Every right. day we find something positive. And also, we point out who the jag off of the week was. Usually it's a Parker, you know, because John gets road rage in case you didn't know like get when irritated he's driving, when people he's can't park guy. we saw one here yeah we did we didn't take a picture though no we didn't. but essentially we're on with the lista on star 100.7 every friday declaring who the biggest jagoff of the week was so and also we have swag the uh, jagoff t-shirts and things like that and uh, mugs and you can now you typically have only been able to order those online now you can go to the steel city craft emporium which is a Crafters Heaven, Heaven down at 3121 yeah. uh, in Penn Avenue in the Upper Strip. The coolest part about the whole thing is it's free parking. There's literally a lot. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. so I'm super stoked because I'm not handy. I, I don't claim to be. It's not something that I ever, you know, have tooted my horn, nor are you. If you'd like me to out you. No, that's fine. Um, so, you know, as you know, we love to find things out about Pittsburgh and its locations. And you've been to Construction Junction before. I have not. But ironically, you know how things happen, right? I was just flipping through Facebook and someone said, where's that place in the east? And I can't think of what it's called. And I was so excited that I could type construction junction because it was like I knew even though I've not been here before so we get to talk to Mike and Melissa welcome 
Thank you. You're welcome. Melissa's yes. nervous because get re- you get real, just get real close. She okay. wanted to know what questions, and we said, "Oh, they are oh, hard yeah, it hitting. Gets rough. It starts hard to get hitting rough questions right now. Right. No, it's oh, honestly they're going to grill me. They're so, going to grill me. So we're going to. I want to start out asking you a question. Can you? Can you? Can we talk to you about maybe creating a? Reuse and recycle your jag off T-shirt or yes, or done. Let's do that. Microphone drop. Educa- <laughs> this is perfect. Educate us. Yeah, we're in. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. All right. And nothing yeah. like starting the show with that, Mike. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you didn't waste any time, yeah. brother. I love it. No, I love that. He's why, just why chock full of good ideas yeah, all the time. A great idea. <laughs> so we are at Construction Junction, and for those of you who live under a rock here in Pittsburgh, you you don't even admit you've never heard of it. Because you guys used to have the best party on the block right before the COVID stuff happened, right? And that would be my experience. We came out here to the construction <clears throat> junction handle party, and it was pouring down rain. I was just telling Rachel, pouring. And there was still a line of people out to get in this thing because that it was a coveted ticket. So, so first of all, tell us about construction junction. And please start talking about the party at some point because we know it's going to come back once everybody's back. Yes, we we're, we are eager for it to come back because yeah. we, we did not have it last year, obviously. So, um, so construction junction is a nonprofit um, material used in surplus building material retail warehouse, and it was created. Um, over 20 years ago um, by several different organizations. One of them is an organization you're gonna interview later, the Pennsylvania Resources Council. And it was created for the specific purpose of keeping building materials out of the landfill. And just to give everybody a little bit of perspective, um, 548 million tons of building materials are landfilled in the United States every single year. Hmm. Wow. To wrap your head around that number, yeah. that's two times the amount of material that's put out by every single person in the United States on trash day. Oh, so oh my God. Times, that's such a cool comparison. Two times wow. the amount. That's how much I feel like I weigh when I leave Permantes <laughs> at 2 o'clock in the morning, too. <laughs> and it's kind of difficult to put to kind of get your head around or to get the data around how much of that material is reusable, but up to about 25% of that construction, demolition, renovation Mm -hmm. waste potentially can be reused and about 70% of it can be recycled. So there's a really small percentage of of that waste stream that has literally no use at all. Wow, Um, that's crazy. So that's... That's the fundamental reason that we're here is to give people that outlet um, and a place where they can act on their desire to not throw usable material right. away. Yeah. Well, and you're right. I think it's something everyone, they just do, right? It's what you've known. So if you're not given that message, they really don't know what to do with, with the, if it's reusable. Yeah. Right. Talk to, for, like John said, for someone who hasn't been here, like myself, <clears throat> when you walk through the door, what do they expect? It's a different bird every week. <laughs> right. It really is. I mean, some weeks uh, you'll walk in and see uh, a bunch of refurbished uh, appliances from our partnership with Appliance Warehouse. Or maybe we might get a huge donation um, from a local hotel of like the little mini bar refrigerator. So instead of throwing that out, 
having to reclaim the Freon, there's still a lot of life left in them. And oh, they, yeah, they send them point. to us, and you can use them for your house. And, you know, it's just it, it at a fraction of the cost, too. Right. So, you know, we're saving materials from the landfill, but we're also helping people out, you know, get stuff that they maybe <clears throat> couldn't afford, you know, at a lower price because it's used, but it's still in good condition. Right. So um, we have tons of <clears throat> kitchen sets, um, you know, countertops. Like, I personally redid my bathroom with 50% of reused materials from Construction Junction. <clears throat> it turned out beautifully. You know, it's just, it's just a mindset. It's just a, oh, you have to exactly make right. that choice yeah. to, like, say, okay, what can I go and get from Construction Junction to save money, save something from the landfill, make my house look prettier? You know, it's just... Well, yeah. and, and it's a if you don't yeah. mind me interjecting, support oh. local, right? Yeah. Because is there a way that uh, is a, if I need a piece of drywall, if I need a cabinet, is there a way I go online to find out if it's there versus taking a chance? Well, there's two different ways to shop the store. Okay. You know, you can actually come into the store, but we also have our website, which is cjreuse.org. You can see some of the featured finds, and we can't exactly put everything online. Sure. But sure. we also, during uh, COVID, started a text hotline. Mm -hmm. So we actually have someone on staff here that you can send them a text and be like, hey, do you have this? Do you have that? You know, kind of do like a prelim. And then he could send you pictures, send you measurements. So you oh, that's can, cool. Yeah, we 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 needed it. We yeah. needed a lifeline for people that a might be immune compromised, you know, or just still nervous. Everybody's sure. levels a little bit different, Absolutely, you know. Yeah. But we wanted to have that other way of getting into the store. But the oh. crazy part is, if you if you saw people, you know, during the entire pandemic, home improvements was the number one thing that was up because. You're at home, so you got sick of looking at, at your four walls. So it was like, you know, it was sort of a juxtaposition. But I'm sure, was there? Did you see a boom from we, that? So we did experience um, an explosion of donations. We were basically closed down from you know uh, March until the end of May, as far as our picking up. Sure. Donations. So we so we have we have three ways that we collect material from folks. You can drop it off, and we have a lot of loading docks and a lot of staff to help you do that. We have two box trucks that will go out and pick up material at no charge. Oh, okay. Um, so if you can't fit that you know twenty piece kitchen set into the trunk of your you know Honda Civic, <laughs> we can yeah. we can we got a we nice got an placement answer. by the way. Yeah. That is that very good. good. The Rorick guys will be Colin, so did happy. You get that? We, we, we got an answer for you. We also have a crew um, that um, will go into buildings, commercial buildings, residential buildings, before demolition, and they'll pull stuff out. So they'll pull out trim, they'll pull out cabinets, they'll pull out plumbing fixtures, they'll pop wow. up hardwood flooring. So that's a process we call deconstruction or unbuilding. Um, so those are the three ways that material come comes into the building. Yes. When we open back up again to the public in at the end of May, we I got can't imagine. slammed with stuff. And I, I think uh, I think other nonprofits <clears throat> like Goodwill and Off the Floor yeah. and um, I think also were just overwhelmed because everybody being at home, like, okay, what am I gonna do? Oh, I'm gonna clean out the yes. my attic basement. in my garage. <laughs> I'm gonna clean out that room 
that spare room that I never got rid of that you know, dresser or whatever, or I left those couple doors for my last renovation project 10 years ago in the basement, now's my chance to yeah. get rid of those things. Yeah. So, and when you it's donate, good. because we're a nonprofit, <clears throat> you can choose to take a tax deduction for the fair right. market value of that material. So okay. we will provide you with a receipt, and you as the donor set the value for, the, for your donation, and that's another benefit. So not only are you keeping stuff out of the landfill, you're <clears throat> creating jobs, um, yeah. reusing materials, um, keeping them out of the landfill, creates about 50 times more jobs than putting material into the landfill wow. because it's a labor-intensive activity. Um, wow, <clears throat> so that's we do true. a lot of job training and we do a lot of work with other organizations um, <clears throat> to um, to provide employment and job readiness experience um, because this is reuse is a very labor intensive activity. Yeah. So I want to remind everybody we're talking to Mike and Melissa from Construction Junction and that's where the podcast is coming from. So th this is awesome. Now, here's I know the Goodwill has issues like this. There are things you don't want like if you're don't be a jag off if you're cleaning out your garage and you have a bunch of old two by fours with nails sticking out you don't want that stuff no, you want to be nice yeah. but there are certain things you probably can't take and don't just bring yeah. your trash here well that's what i was going to say it's not a garbage well, drop off right. we yeah. actually have a do and don't on our website yep. okay. and so i mean if the kitchen's in really great um condition but there's water damage and mold then no yeah. that's you know that can't be there's just you can't get rid of that you know so there, um, we often direct people to there, but then we just get a lot of good quality donations that, you know, helps continue our mission, does, you know, creates jobs um, and working with other partnerships like off the floor and stuff. And, you know, it's really helping the community in more ways than you can even see at store level. And, and that's and, what's so and important. And we'll, we'll, we'll take those two by fours if you <laughs> pop the nails out of them. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. right. <laughs> uh, that's a... Um, he said bad example, John. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, he it's said a, not good question. No, it's a good. No, it's <laughs> denailed and at least four feet long. Okay. <laughs> because, okay. Because lumber is uh, is oh, a yeah. very large percentage of the waste stream. Is a very large percentage of the waste stream, and when you put lumber into a landfill, everybody thinks, oh, it's you know, it's wood. It's a natural material, right? It's going to decay. Well, when you put wood in a landfill. There's not oxygen in the landfill, so the wood actually off-gasses, and it off-gasses methane, which is a greenhouse gas. So we need to keep lumber out what of the landfill. That? So really, really important to keep lumber out of the landfill. And I believe it's about 70 million tons of lumber go into yeah. the landfill annually. Mm -hmm. So we're talking big, big numbers, and if we can start to pull more of this material, intercept it before it goes to the landfill, send yes. it to places like yeah. Construction Junction. Um, we, can, um, we can solve a lot of issues. Regarding now we're in the community room here. And so what you talked about some education. So what yeah. happens in the community room? Can I come here to learn how to install a plug or a countertop or what, what do you guys do here? Well, before COVID, we we did some yes. we we did activities in this room, um, training activities. We also um, and and Missy can speak more to the to the other ways that we support smaller businesses through 
pop-up opportunities and some of the events and things that we that we do. Um, <clears throat> we use this room also for local community events, community oh, meetings. Okay. We occasionally have podcast interviews in here. What? Um, I didn't even know there yeah. was another <laughs> podcast, to be honest with you. Said, you said it with an S like there were multiple. Yeah, I didn't I even know. know there was. What's that? Um, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so we and we have used this room for a lot of different things, but of course it's just been completely shut down sure. for the last, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> over the last year. So we're looking forward to activating it again. Um, and we do, we, we also had, we use this room also to circle back to your question about the big poor, which <clears throat> is our- The big poor. The big, Steel City yes. big poor, that's our annual fundraiser. But the Big Pour event itself is a craft beer tasting event. We usually have um, 50 different breweries, lots of local, um, but also breweries that are not local. And we usually have between 20 and 25 local food partners. And you can sample beer and you can sample food. We've got music. We usually have some kind of art event art, public art display, and you can experience all that for the price of a ticket. That's awesome. And <clears throat> just to remind you, this sounds very like, oh, okay, yeah, I think I might go to that. No, you better know you're going to go to it because within 24 hours, the tickets <clears throat> are gone. Or less than 24. Well, I'm not overselling that, right? No, it, well, it is the it, ticket. It, in the first sort of <laughs> 10 you know, nine or ten years yeah. of the Big Four, it's sold out really quickly. Okay. The last few years, because <clears throat> craft beer um, is basically more readily available, and oh, okay. there are more people uh, doing craft beer fundraisers, um, the event hasn't been selling out so fast. So, and the, and the challenge that we've had is that people assume that it's sold out when we've had tickets. Uh, so, so John, had, don't advertise so like we've that. Had, yeah. We've had a challenging You're time sort of selling those last few stubborn tickets because everybody's gotcha. like, oh, that event's sure. sold out yeah. anyway. Yeah. Sure. Yes. It's a, it's a, well, I'm not going to say it's a good problem to have because we want to sell out. Sure. It's, a, it's a really important event for mm -hmm. our for our operate, for our, yeah. to help support our operations yeah. and our job training. And it's programs. a great time. It's a great time. Yeah, I had awesome. to get a job here for me to be able to go. There, you know, <laughs> that's the only way I could get in. And Missy, what pop-ups can we expect? Okay, so um, <laughs> pre-COVID, like I said, we used to have like tons of classes in this room. PRC, my girl Nancy would do um, composting classes, rain barrel classes, you know, anything she could come up with. I'm like, yes, come, 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 you know. And now um, we're fo I'm focusing more on the pop-ups because one of the hardest-hit communities um, besides everyone during mm -hmm. COVID was our crafters. Um, sure. So all the craft shows were shut down this year. They they moved them online, but there's something to be said to, to going and feeling and touching the product and seeing it made yeah. out of. So um, we have a little box in the front of the store that's my pop-up shop, and I offer that to any local crafter um, that would want to come and use it. I only charge $10 a day or 25 for a whole weekend. Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. The okay. That's point great. of it is not for me to make money. It's to partner and it's to support local artists. Give an outlet. Yeah. Yeah. Give them an outlet. It's like a temporary, like they can test market things, you know, kind That's of. That's great. And so basically I would do uh, Santa's workshop. 
Um, now we have to start it from October all the way to December because people were liking it. I had to move it into October. And then also during Earth Month, which is my um, personal baby from Construction Junction, everybody wanted to do something for Earth Day. But then when you try to plan something, you know, PRC was busy with, you know, donation pickups or everybody already had that day scheduled. So I did an entire month of environmental centric activities, classes, awesome. pop-up artists. We actually purchased recycled pallet mulch um, to sell, uh, recycled tire mulch to sell. Like we work with pit moss, which is made out of recycled yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, newspapers to sell. So and we found out that you know our clientele really does like to do a lot of gardening and stuff. So we invite whoever wants to come and spend time with us. I have a guy that makes worm castings. PRC comes and sell, you know, sets up an info table so we can learn about all the donation events that are happening. We have Nancy comes and does classes for us. So it's really like just pumped up on steroids, just a good time. And every single weekend, you know, we're, we're, we have something going on that we can pull off this year, nice. you know, awesome. safely. So. I love it. I love it. And you're right. We could sit and talk to them forever, but unfortunately <laughs> oh, know, right? there's other people. Yeah. yeah. So the coveted question of the day is the scariest part. Are, uh -oh. you, are you ready for it? Before yeah. I give it, can you just tell everybody your website address again and where they can follow you on social media? So they can go on, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. It's tjreuse.org is our, is our website. Um, so yeah, they can, we also have blogs. You can sign up for emails and blogs online too as well. Mike <clears throat> writes a blog every single week. Sometimes I guest blog whenever, you know, nice. he's out fighting the good fight. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we're not playing you off. This isn't like the <laughs> award shows. We're just playing a little music in the background. We're yeah. going to take Hillary with us every <laughs> week because I love yeah, this. Yeah, awesome. this. Okay, so the question of the day was going to be, if you can create your own hashtag, what would it be? But I think we're going to go with t-shirt. What is your next t-shirt saying going to be? And I think you answered it. Uh, I, I think... Reuse and recycle your jag off is like boom. Our contest winner for the day. All right, you win. I don't yeah. know what you win, but. Yeah. So we normally take our musician at the end because they're just filling us full of joy music. But Hillary is here. I mean, John, he came in with this. It wasn't a cart. It was like an an econo cart. I don't even know how to explain it with his steel drum. I mean, I, are we saying steel it wrong? Pan. Is it pan? Well, uh, uh, get real close. In Trinidad. Get, yeah, yeah. yeah, in Trinidad, we call it pan. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm referred in Trinidad as a panis. I'm okay. known as a panis. Okay. Right? okay. So we play steel drum. But in in America, they call it steel drums. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I was telling you when we weren't recording yes. that we had the luxury of being around uh, Lee uh, Solomon, yes. who taught us. And every time John would say steel drum, she would say, it is not a steel drum. It is pan. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. So and I love that because it is such an art. Yes. Right. Could you, could you explain a little bit? And I mean, talk about credentials. You know, okay. you come from Trinidad. Yeah. Uh, you come here. What happens when you get to America? How different is it in, in, from a music standpoint? Um, well, when I came to America, um, um, I was touring with a band. Okay. I played with an uh, orchestra in Trinidad. 
and we played from classical music all the way to pop music. So oh, we played wow. classical music, pop music, Calypso, which is the local music from Trinidad and Tobago. Okay. But uh, um, so we played all general music. And um, when we came here, we were playing in the Lincoln Center. We played a lot of yeah. um, uh, schools. Uh, so we so we did a, a whole genre of music in one concert. So we'll start with classical music, we'll go to pop music, and then we'll end up with our traditional music, which is calypso. I love How it. How cool so is that? It's, so it's cool. How happy are you that uh, you're from Trinidad? I mean, I'm sure you've been here for a while, but we brought you out on a 10-degree day to come. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you got used to that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm used to it. I'm I'm sure. How long have you been in Pittsburgh? I've been in Pittsburgh for 20 years. Oh, okay. 20 years, yes. Okay. And why Pittsburgh? Yeah. Um, well, I came to Pittsburgh. A friend of mine invi- invited me to Pittsburgh, and it was nice. Yeah. And so I decided to, s- to settle here. I went to college here. I went to uh, Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie Mellon. <laughs> wow. I did a master's degree at Carnegie yeah. Mellon. How about so, that? Yeah, right. That's what I said. Like, talk about so, a repertoire of, of information. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So what has it been? You know, we... we you can't avoid the COVID conversation, right? Yes. Unfortunately, we're still battling it. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, we're still battling it. Mm-hmm. But what has it been like from a musician standpoint? How have you had to reinvent? Well, um, for the year last year, I did one gig. Oh. <laughs> and and um, it, for, for most musicians yeah, who... Um, uh, full-time mus- musicians is devastating. Yeah, it's devastating. Yeah, yeah, because they're not able to make um, uh, the, the income right. that they usually make from the music. Right. So most of them, um, they do podcasts, right? And they also have way, um, 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 accounts where you can actually contribute yes. to, the, to the podcast. Right. You know, so that, that sustains a lot of um, uh, musicians. Okay. And then we have other musicians like who, do, who teach, they're teaching online. They do sure. their, their classes online. Sure. So that's, but that's for it. musicians, you know, even though it is a profession, mm-hmm. it's also a passion. It is. So a- I'm sure, you know, that's hard because I'm sure the practice level is different. I'm sure you were keeping up with your craft, so to speak, at home. As soon as I hear a steel pan play, mm-hmm. I think of wine, I think of a cruise, <laughs> I think of sunshine. Yeah. And uh, what, what, is, what does that music do to you as far as bringing back memories of a childhood or anything yeah well i can remember the first time i heard a steel drum in trinidad i was probably about um four years old and my mom took me to to watch the carnival parade oh okay and um and there was a steel band and and the instruments were crude right it was just the beginning stages of the steel drums and i was so enamored with that music that yeah. I got lost. I sure. started following the band, and my mom had to come and look for me. You no know, because way. Because of the music. And so, so uh, I started playing at eight years old. Wow. I started playing the steel drum music. And I've watched the instrument yes. developed. Yes. Right? Because um, the first instrument were painted. They were painted, and they were very, the, 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 the design was very crude. But I've seen, seen it develop into a chromed instrument and a professional instrument. This particular instrument was made by the, the best craft in Trinidad. Oh. In the, well, as a matter of fact, he's the best in the world because Trinidad is the home of, Trinidad is the home of steel drums. Right. So this, the person who crafted this, Guppy Brown, um, 
he was considered the best of the in the world. So this is um, this is like a Stradivarius of steel drums. Oh, oh, get out of town. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so you didn't buy that at Construction <laughs> Junction. <right>? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, you can't get that yeah. here. This was purchased in Trinidad. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, he passed away about two years ago. Is someone continuing his legacy? Well, his sons are continuing okay. his legacy. Yeah. But, but his technique, yeah. sure. no one has his technique. No one, yeah. Wow. You know, so um, I have some friends who, I have a friend who I played with, and he's a crafter steel drum crafter and I had uh, a note was out on this and I took it to him in New York and he said he said Hillary I'm going to fix this note but nobody can fix this but Guppy Brown you have to go back to Trinidad and get him to fix it no way and I went back to Trinidad and fixed it before he passed it wow oh yes that's, that's a, a great, great story yeah, yeah. 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 That's now, a great story. Speaking of New York, now you're not just you toured in New York, right? You played. Yes, in New York. I lived in New York. I um, I worked in New York uh, in terms of steel drums. I did arrangements for the bands in New York. Oh wow! And um, I played with a group in New York. Uh, we did tours it to um, um, Finland. We did the, the Pori Jazz Festival. Every instrument is handcrafted. Like yes. This. As we had learned in a previous podcast, there's yeah. certain stones or certain hammers that they use, and how do, how do to they create the sound, right? Yeah. Well, um, if you look at an orchestra, you know it's 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 one. I would I would say it's one of the the hidden uh, wonders of the world because a lot of people doesn't know about the steel drum, right? So we have this instrument that's called a soprano, right? So we call it tenor. Right? Okay. But it's actually a soprano side. Mm -hmm. And um, then the next level down, we have a double tenor, okay. which is a little lower level. Then we have a double seconds, which is a little lower. Then we have guitars, right, which are pans that we call a guitar pan, yeah. right? So uh, um, those are like cordial instruments. Um, then we have like uh, triple pans, quadraphonics. And um, and six pan right. So those are six six steel drums. Wow. That are melodic that carry melodies. Yes. Okay. And then we have the bass section, which is the tenor basses, which are four pans. Then we have the six basses, right, which is the full steel drum, full full steel drum, and then we have nine basses, which is six and three on the wow. side. Then we have twelve basses, which is six on the ground and six all around wow. right so we have uh, uh, um so we can create a full orchestra right uh, we have played um classics like william tell overture the full william tell overture wow. um um staccato and fugue uh rossini's wedding dance flight of the bumblebee oh, we have wow. played all those classics hillary thank you so much for giving gracing us Seriously, yeah, with your time. Give your last name, though. Is it Borneo? Or Borneo, Borneo, yes. Okay, Borneo. Yeah, Borneo. Okay. It was a 50 50 chance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, you have to answer the question of the day, too. Yes. If it was a t shirt or a hashtag, what would yours be? Something like Trinidad or bust? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be jazz on steel. Love it. Oh, there you go. A, boy, that's yeah, really it's better than what I was thinking. That, if you're watching on the internet, yeah, don't that. patent that. We will come find you. <laughs> Hillary, Hillary thank you so much. Yeah. We certainly thank appreciate you. it. I love the way this podcast is going because it's, it's piecing everything together for people who really don't know how they can't. Because I really believe 
most people have good intentions. They just don't know what to do, you know? And so I think it's really cool to really have the perspective of you guys. And when we were setting this podcast up, I know the folks here at Construction Junction said we absolutely had to have PRC. I mean, that, that's you. what Thank I heard, right? So welcome, girl. Sarah. Um, talk to us, what is PRC? I mean, what, explain what it is okay. and how your relationship works here at Construction, Construction. Junction. So Pennsylvania Resources Council, uh, we're an environmental nonprofit statewide um, office outside of Philly and our main office here in Pittsburgh. Um, Our tagline is envisioning a Pennsylvania where nothing is wasted. Um, So really looking at how do we reduce not only, you know, what's going to a landfill, how can we divert it to recycling, to composting, um, but how do we generate less stuff in the first place? And I think the education, kind of like you're saying, getting that knowledge out there to people so they know how to do that um, is one of the things that we try to do. So it's everything from trying to set up glass recycling locations, you know, around the area here in Allegheny County. It can be holding collection events for hazardous materials or uh, televisions, um, all the way to teaching backyard composting workshops, um, how to, you know, install rain barrel and collect your rainwater. So it's a wide range really? of programs we do, but it's all under that guise of how do we, you it's know. It's so funny that you say it direction. like it's not like, or how to get your rain barrel. You know? <laughs> I love that. And that that's all awesome. Nancy. So we're shouting out Nancy a couple times yeah. here from PRC. Yeah. Um, she's our educator uh, and does, right now we had to kind of pivot from the in-person, but we do webinars Sarah, now. we hate so. that word, pivot. I, we hate okay. it. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> I have to tell you. <laughs> Scratch no. that. How do you change right. no, we, <laughs> we, we all have pivoted. We're like, oh, we're, yeah. we're like pivot numb at this point. No, right? it's okay. Yeah. Circles, right? Right? Yeah. Been, Somebody... Please, please pick a different word. Reengineering. Okay. Yeah. Uh, re- yeah. Somebody <laughs> told me the other day they wanted to get rid of the term thought leader. Oh, but that okay. was the word that they <laughs> okay. were over um, in the new realm. So, um, yeah, we switched. There you go. From, <laughs> uh, from our in-person, like everybody's doing, trying to figure out how to deal with sure. COVID. Um, switch. So now people can take uh, backyard composting um, webinars, and then they can pick up in a safe manner a bin at our office um, in the north side. That's so, great. Yeah, just trying to find different ways to get that message out there to really help people who want to get to a certain point. How do they get there? Um, do we show them, you know, why should you recycle your glass? And here's where you can recycle it now if you can't recycle it curbside. Or you want to learn how to stop throwing your banana peels and stuff in the trash. Well, here, take our webinar, learn how to backyard compost. It's not complicated, you know, but here we just want to introduce you to that um, and try to make it as, you know, easy as possible to get and reach out to as many people as we and can. And do you find that truly people are with good intention? They just don't know. Totally. Yeah. I, I think most people, and I think especially when it comes to recycling, there's been a lot of changes over the last couple of years as to what you can put or what will be accepted in the curbside bin that you set out every week. And people want to do the right thing. They don't want to throw the stuff in the landfill, but we need to do a good job at educating and letting people know what should you be putting in there, what goes in there, because I think that helps them. If you're a term that it may be, it, it might not be as bad as pivoting, but I've heard <laughs> going around is wish cycling. What we say is, so as people, they want They hope this plastic that they have, so they're going to put it in their bin, you know, but really in the end, it's not recyclable and it ends up kind of not being a benefit to putting it in there, messing kind of stuff up down. So really just trying to educate, because I think once people know how to do it, they're more than happy to do it and do it properly. It's just, 
yeah, getting that, getting the word out there. And you're good with wish cycling. I don't think it's ever been used on the podcast. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so that's your word. Yeah. Yeah. So is there, you know, we talk about pandemic fatigue right now. Is, it, is your job hard because there's recycling fatigue? You know, because I, we get all ramped up in the community and this color bin goes this and this mm-hmm. color bin and blah, blah, blah. Everybody kind of buys into it. Then suddenly it comes out, well, we're not sure. Like the, the news hits. So maybe do people get... Uh, recycling fatigue where it has to sort of you have to re-energize I think and I think one thing they get though is you realize so recently maybe in the last year um, glass was removed from a lot of curbside Mm -hmm. but we heard from so many people how upset they were that they couldn't put their glass like it really impacted them like almost the opposite um, thought process that they were like really crushed that they were like I can't you know for years and years and years I put this material in and what do I do now, you know, and, and kind of hearing that and that spurred PRC and a number of other organizations around the area and even some private businesses to put into place. Here's some places you can go to take it so that you can make sure that, you know, that glass whiskey bottle, whatever you buy and you finish that put that in that glass bin. And within, you know, maybe a month, maybe or a month or two, maybe more, you're going back and maybe you're using some of that, you know, glass you just used. So and we're even seeing kind of like, um, you know, Mike and Missy mentioned the donation like increase at a lot of our recycling collection events or hazardous waste, which is like uh, oil based paints and those kind of things. Oh. We're seeing an increase of people bringing the material, I think, in part most much like with CJ's people are at home. They're cleaning out, yeah. you know, their rooms to make a home office or they're, you know, going into their basement. And there's a really, I think, desire from a lot of people to find the proper way to get rid of stuff so we just gotta have to reach out to them and make those options you know convenient um, and affordable for people so Mm -hmm. that they're able to do it well and i was gonna say i guess it's more this you know we've all taken silver linings from this because we didn't have a choice sink or swim right Mm -hmm. and so i think that you're right if for people to reach out they the, the desire is there so i think with the down when you have time you know, then you can actually do a lot of things. That's that's what I've taken away from for me because I, we, none of us ever had time. Mm-hmm. And now that we have the time, you know, it's being invested in the right ways. Where are some places that people can do drop offs? And and what I mean, you've mentioned some of them, but what is the most common thing that's that's dropped off or donated? So for our, our events, we have different types. So we have hard to recycle events that we do, and those are electronics, tires. Okay like Freon appliances, those types of things. And we do a number of those throughout the year, different places around Allegheny County, North, South, you know, try to, sure. and the same for our hazardous materials types of collections. There are Saturday, there are, you know, four hours, come this time, bring, you know, these materials. But the glass has really been a big thing for That's people. Awesome. Um, and it's great to see, you know, the city of Pittsburgh has rolled out a number of drop-offs for glass and CJ has one in their parking lot here for people to bring. Um, And then we, PRC, has worked with a lot of municipalities outside the city who want to bring that to their residents. So, for instance, right now, there is a bin in Hampton, um, you know, or at least it'll be the week, the last week of January, first week of February, I should say. So um, out there that their residents can go and drop their glass off. So really, it's like, yeah, take that extra step if you can. Save it. Don't, you know, throw it away. I know it's, you need to take that extra step now on a lot of these items. You have to save it. You have to transport it somewhere. But I think a 
large majority of people are willing to do that because they know that the end, yeah. you know, goal I is agree. a good one. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting to me. I know. And, and I think educating people what happens, like the importance of why, why do I do this? But so why, what happens to an electronics? You know, a computer, a TV. I now take my TV mm -hmm. to the strip district, pay so much per yeah, pound. Yeah, that's why I looked at you because yeah, exactly. you just did that. Yeah. And so, so what happens to that? They don't just take it and throw it in a special Ooh. dumpster. Mm. They take it apart. What happens there? Well, that's that's great. And the city does run oh. a... You almost said good question, and then I don't have to make oh, you leave because yeah. I have the better questions. Okay. But go ahead. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll <laughs> no, be you're good. My, no. <laughs> uh, no, we, PRC works with an e-waste recycler called e-loop. They're local. They're out in export PA. Um, and what they do is, they will take the materials that we collect at our events and take them back to their facility and kind of demanufacture as much of the material as possible. So breaking apart plastic components, circuit board components, um, you know, if it's an old leaded glass CRT TV, they're going to separate that out. And then all of those different materials go to downstream places that are going to find another use for them, whether they're going to recycle those plastic casings, find, you know, precious metals out of circuit boards. Um, you know, wow. it's not going to, yeah, the idea. And that's one of the reasons we work with, to give a shout out to E-Loop, we've worked with them for a number of years. They're great people. Um, they're a certified, oh, e-waste recyclers need to be certified. Um, and different, there's different types of certifications they can get. And E-Loop is what's called an e-steward. And that's like the highest level of certification. Oh. And that guarantees, you know, no overseas shipment of materials, very stringent, like where do they send their material after it leaves, you know, E-Loop's facility. And so we feel that hopefully that helps people that want to come to our events feel really confident in handing over their electronics so sure. they know that it's not going to end up in a dump. It's not going to end up in a warehouse, you know. And that's hopefully what, when people think of PRC, that they feel that we're kind of a great resource for what to do with that kind of stuff. And I could, I could talk to her for yeah, hours this too. Is, yeah, this we're gonna be the best good for my recyclers. <laughs> so so the best. I'd have to think that the education of someone like me is one thing, breaking habits, but getting to the younger kids and yeah. creating habits, and starting creating routine, a routine. Right? Yeah, is is that a, what percentage of your time is is on that, or so, does somebody else do that? Yeah, and, what, and once again, just to mention Nancy again um, from our office, who is our educator. Gonna Nancy, it's gonna be like, um, we yeah, yeah. Nancy. I'm gonna make sure she listens. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, we, we used to, and we don't as much because of the current, um, COVID did uh, a lot of in-classroom programs around watershed awareness, recycling, composting. Um, so there was a portion of the work that we did prior to COVID. We're starting to get back into it a little bit with some schools interested in doing like virtual. Um, so hopefully though, by next school year, we'll be able to get a little more back into that. Okay. But the point of, if you kind of hook kids, a lot of times they bring that message back to their yeah. homes no doubt. and their parents then here, well, don't put that there. Or yeah. why are we throwing this banana peel in the trash? We should compost that. And you know what that means? So I think it's a great way to connect not only with kids, but then reach a whole bigger audience through, you know, educating yeah. kids in the classroom. Yeah, that's wow. so true. This is awesome. Yeah. So yeah. where does everybody find PRC? Internet, social media, any of those? All, all, yeah, all, of, all of those. Um, PRC.org is our website. We have um, Facebook, Instagram, all, you know, all of those. Um, you know, check us out. Um, and I think another thing for us is that we like to just be a resource. So if people have something and they're like, what do I do with this? 
give us a call at our office and we're happy to you know connect you with oh you have an old kitchen set oh is it good condition oh well you need to take it to construction junction mm -hmm. oh do you have some old furniture but it's it's in really great condition well actually reach out to off the floor because they could use it and so you know being also that clearing house or whatever you want to call it a resource line um please feel free you know we ask people and welcome people to call us yeah. to try and help them with that i love it i love it so we this is where we have to this ask. is where we guess what's on her t-shirt yeah right okay. <laughs> i think we all win but we ask it will let hillary play some music because okay. when you first came in you had your head kind of doing the thing you know so oh, as you good. answer oh, a question and go out yeah, I want you I, to, I like you it. know, just kind of have some fun. All right, I'm guessing. I feel like I need, so, yeah, like a stand-up. Yeah, 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 right. Oh, there you go. All right, so now we're in the mood. What's your guess that her T-shirt, her, her hashtag? She's going to say hashtag Nancy. Or oh, I heart Nancy. I heart Nancy. So what it will be. That would be perfect. If That would be my first one. The okay. second one would be kind of a play on um, Mike. So PRC. And not invented, but copyrighted the litter bug. Don't be a litter bug. Oh, so okay. I would say, you know, you jag off. Don't be a litter bug. <laughs> Bob, we just executed something that you do between the Rennebeck family and the Chamberlain family this weekend because I took something off the floor of Rachel's house oh, yeah. in that we took a piece of furniture they weren't using anymore and we pulled it into my place and now it's the guest bedroom. So oh, nice. the, I'm guessing is that sort of the basics of what Off the Floor does? Yeah, so what we are is we're a furniture bank and that's it, the best way to describe it if you know what a food bank is. It's similar in concept. Uh, we provide folks who need furniture with furniture by accepting donations of furniture from other folks. So instead of collecting canned goods and, and boxes of food, we collect couches, tables, chairs, beds, uh, dressers, that type of thing. That's awesome. How long have you been in business? Uh, we were founded in 2004. Oh, okay. uh, so we're, I guess, 16 years going on 17 now. Okay. I've been with them 10 years. So Okay. Uh, it's been a real adventure. And assuming similar to the others who we've spoken to, uh, the pandemic, I'm sure, brought you a ton of, or no, was it the opposite? Well, uh, much like CJ, we had to shut down yeah. for about three and a half months. So we, we closed in March and resumed operations in June. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we allowed folks to continue to drop off. Oh, okay. So we, we set it up so you could self-assist. You could drop off, leave your items in our truck. And then we would check the truck every day or two and then move it into the warehouse. We did that for a period of time until the warehouse became full. Uh, we were completely full, and both of our trucks sitting outside were packed the day we resumed operations. So uh, we would come in, and we would have to do some extra work periodically to remove items that we didn't keep. Uh, so things that we can't use go to other thrift stores. Okay. Or there's items that will come to us that are more appropriate for construction junction. Okay. Uh, so you so, filter through, essentially. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And then decide where it's going to go from your hub. Right. Okay. If we can't use it before we get rid of it, we try to figure out where it's best suited. Okay. Uh, so, you know, whether it's Goodwill or St. Vincent de Paul or, or one of the other thrift organizations, we will try to get it to them where it can have some purpose for somebody. Gotcha. Um, but we've expanded what we use and what we keep now. So we've gotten, in the last couple of years, more into a lot of housewares, small kitchen appliances that you would put on a countertop, microwaves, coffee makers, toasters. Uh, so uh, even some decor items where we used to get rid of pictures and art, uh, we will keep the larger pieces that we can put in a client's uh, residence. So Because they're usually in a, a very sterile environment. Sure. 
Now, Bob, you know, given the co I'm sure you did this before, but the COVID uh, situation has doubled down on this. But when you take a piece in, do you clean it? When I'm thinking furniture and in, yeah, in what's that floor, process? Yeah. What's that process here? So people well, generally, the, the industry standard is that any kind of uh, contaminant on the surface is only going to last through maybe three days. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be oh, yeah. in our possession for well more than that. So uh, we do take precautionary measures with our crew, uh, masking and gloves and things like that. Uh, and we try to make sure that it's as clean as it can go to a family that we give it to. So okay. uh, typically if something comes in, it, they almost always need clean because they're dusty or, sure. or sure. something like that. Upholstered fabrics we can look at and deal with differently. Um, but we, we're, we take a lot of care. Uh, one of the big concerns in our, our reuse community is, is more so with bugs, specifically bed bugs. So we have to pay attention to what comes into the warehouse before it actually enters. Oh, because okay, if, yeah. and, and we get this question a lot from clients uh, and landlords, you know, do, you know, do you check? Well, if we didn't, we could, we could risk losing our entire inventory. Right. Uh, and then the cost for us to dispose of and treat would be uh, just out of, out of our control. We wouldn't be able to handle that. So mm -hmm. we, we try to prevent things that shouldn't come into our, our donation stream from coming in. So when we go to a house to do a pickup of a donation, our crew has the final say. The guys who are on the truck, even if the donation coordinator said, we need this, if they get there and it doesn't meet our standard, then they can refuse it. Uh, I've, in, I've trained my, my crew that if you want to put that in my house or your house, why are we taking it to give to one of our clients? There you go. The, yeah, and so the <laughs> outgoing part of it, is it only for the folks in need or could someone just go and purchase like in a, in a retail site? Or do you not purchase, like construction it would come here. here. Yeah, yeah right. we, don't, we don't do a, we don't have our own retail outlet. Uh, okay. Several reasons, one is, um, we want to stay focused on our mission at hand, which is to provide furniture to people who don't have basic home furniture. Mm -hmm. A lot of our clients are, we are, we partner with 40 social service agencies yeah, right that. now. Yeah. Uh, and they are everybody from Catholic charities, to Jewish family services, to Monoc community services, all these major social service providers in the County will refer clients to us. So they've, they've interviewed clients. They've determined there's a legitimate need. So we are actually addressing clients who have a real need. It's not just somebody says, well, I want okay. a new couch. I'm going to go find sure. me. I'm going to so, go ask. So, so when you, the word client So a social okay. worker has dealt with a client at some point before they're referred to us. When they get referred to us, then we will re-interview the client, but okay. from a different angle. You'd be surprised. Our guys who drive the truck have gotten really good with color combinations. Sure. And what goes, you know, two plaids don't necessarily go together. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah. And flowers and plaids can't match. No. Never Ever. Go. Right. So my shabby was, chic yeah. does not exist. Right. If only my no, dad no. knew that on Easter Sundays. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah That's no, so, so cool. We, we try to drill down. But uh, the clients, oftentimes, our clients come from a variety of backgrounds. Uh, they might be homeless veteran. Yeah. They might be somebody transitioning out of a domestic violence situation, out of a shelter, now getting a new place. Uh, they could be a, a, one of the big groups that's expanding in our client base is kids aging out of foster care. Yeah, they sure. turn 18. They're no longer in the foster uh, home. Now they're on their own. Okay. And there's no family to support them. Sure. So we, we are the guys who will come in, work on their referral, get them the basic furniture for the apartment they were uh, able to locate and get relocated to, and get them established. We've determined that uh, if you were that person, a family of four living in a two-bedroom apartment, and you had to go get some dining table and chairs, you had to go get living room furniture, uh, some basics for the bedrooms, two, three beds, 
you would need approximately $1,500 to do that. And if you're in that situation where you end up with us, you don't have that kind of money to spend in the first place. Uh, so it's important that we give them something that will give them years worth of value. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, we want them to feel like this is now my home. Yeah. We don't right. want them to feel like it's all hand-me-downs right. or right. somebody's junk. Uh, and that's what I like. It's a concept. It you know, is. it's not it just the, the idea of, of a, a recycling process, which is great. Right. But I love the fact that there's a concept behind it. Yeah, there's yeah. a pride and esteem. Uh, and honestly, from our standpoint, there's a great satisfaction. When you walk in and you see them sleeping on a bedspread on the floor, yeah. and now when we leave, they've got a bed, they've got dressers, they've got table, chairs, and they're sitting on the couch, and they can't even tell you thank you because they're so overwhelmed. Yeah. That's really what... That's when you realize that all the effort we put into it's yeah, worth it. You off. just answered the question yeah. I was about to ask yeah. you because that has to be yeah. just a, a, what better feeling than yeah. to walk out of there. Oh, yeah. I mean, my, my first delivery off the floor, my wife and I did. It was my first Saturday there, and a guy needed a bed. That's all he needed was a bed. We get there. He was an Army veteran. He had been uh, living in an apartment for about 15 years, and he never had a bed. He got used to sleeping on the floor when he was in Vietnam, and uh, so he hadn't had a bed. He was getting to the point where he was about late 60s, early 70s, and uh, he just said, I can't take sleeping on the floor anymore. My back can't do it. So we set up a bed, um, and the guy was genuinely appreciative because he didn't have the resources to uh, go get a bed, but it was oh the first God. bed he had in, like, over 15 years. He actually went out. He, his hobby was gardening. He went out and made a whole bouquet of flowers and brought them in for my wife while we were setting his bed up. Oh but God. at that point, we, I realized on my first delivery what we do is life-changing where does everybody find you online okay so uh on our website is off the floor pgh.org uh and uh we are on facebook and you have to use off the floor pittsburgh in the search okay, okay. And if you're listening to the podcast and you know of someone who needs this please get a hold of Bob awesome. Myers. thank you so much what, <laughs> what's his t-shirt gonna say i know what's your t-shirt saying turning your empty houses into homes that was oh. too easy. He let, he's like, I already had that figured <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Bob. We Thank appreciate you. your time. Oh, John's drinking now. He's drinking. He's becoming hydrated thanks to uh, to the Bloom Honey Water. And which one are you trying? Wild Blueberry. I have wild blueberry. And wow, it's so good. It's just like medium, like kind of right into it. Oh, my um, God. Well, and the funny part is we've, we have wanted to have Michelle? Michelle on for how long? Remember, we had her in the bullpen a couple of months ago. And then when this podcast came up, we were like, this is absolutely perfect timing to have her come on because we need water. Really, we, because, I needed water from the night before. we scheduled a hard night of drinking the night before to celebrate my kids' birthdays. Yeah. And we're like, Michelle would be the perfect guest <laughs> the next day. It's like we knew. So yeah. welcome. <laughs> Yeah, we're so glad to have you. We know that you had an affiliation here because you you would partake in the big pour, correct? Absolutely. Actually, yeah. it's sort of like old school for me because my first life, I spent 20 years in craft beer. So the big pour here in Pittsburgh was the, you know, yeah. the place to be for right. craft, craft brewers. So the first 20 years of my life in beverage were with craft beer. Okay. With the big pour. And then when we launched um, Bloom... We were thrilled that the first year we were able to participate as the um, craft non-alcoholic option to keep people hydrated. That's awesome. So we're so talk a little bit about Bloom. Again, you know, we use this phrase a lot for someone who lives under a rock because you we've we've seen so much more from Bloom. How long have you been around? 
So we launched in June of 2016. Okay. Um, very much sticking close to home, listening to the consumer, figuring out, you know, what they wanted, what the feedback was, and the good feedback, and you guys may remember we were in a little small yes. bottle to, in, in the first days, and what we started to hear was um, people wanted a larger bottle, they wanted more of the water, they wanted to be able to see the water, so after about a year of, I think I was in front of, you know, 100,000 consumers at that point, we went into more R&D. So we always knew we wanted to get our organic certification and then we started researching new bottles and packaging. The beautiful thing was um, the florals, we had everyone loved the florals and loved the bee. So we were able to um, leverage those onto the new packaging and it's been, we relaunched the uh, with the new bottle in 2019, and it's been an amazing success for us. And I love and they the are fact so pretty. I, I mean, love the fact that this art. this is a Pittsburgh story, it right? Is. This started here, and you got. I, I, I've seen other honey water, but it seems I remember being at your launch party. Yes, and uh, and the crazy thing is, I don't think I I'm not that worldly, but. I never heard anything about honey water. Mm -hmm. So you were sort of above, before the curve. Pioneer. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So we like to say we're helping, we're creating the category based on the first Olympiads. The first Olympiads used honey and water for hydration and energy because honey has this beautiful level energy source. It doesn't spike and drop. It's spikeless. So you get this beautiful hydration and then you get an energy source and our bodies know what to do with honey. It's a natural sweetener. It's the first sweetener. So they know how to, pro our bodies know how to process honey. And it's a, it, even though it's glucose and fructose, it actually processes with all the other little compo components that the beautiful bees partake into it. That what honey, we're all cutting sugar, right? Because mm -hmm. it's hidden in everything. And it, um, when we overconsume it, we don't use it for energy right. and it converts to fat. Honey sugars, on the other hand, when we, u we use it with this level energy source and then what we don't use is actually converted to glycogen stored in our liver as an energy reserve. So honey is just, it's an amazing product. This might be the most educational podcast I, we've listen, had Listen, I was yet. just going to say that. But the, all, all the guests at this I point. I feel smart. Yeah. I like, know. I feel like I should have paid more attention to math when we had the first guest <laughs> on. I feel like I should have paid more attention in my anatomy and physiology stuff. That's crazy. No. Yeah. And, and so you, you came into this business with a little bit of experience. As yes. you said, your previous life, craft beer. So, well, but this is still something new so what what were the sort of not the mistakes but what did you think and mm -hmm. then had to rearrange i know when you talked about you know the bottles but right. what was the most challenging thing you're like oh no i had this as a slam dunk and it was you had to completely reverse right so so i would say the two biggest biggest le yeah, learning opportunities were the distribution network on the non-alc natural organic side is very different from the beer distribution uh, sure. model very different so it was learning that and then the other side of it was um you know the the opportunity to educate how to really i mean so what you know our pillars are collaborate and illuminate so we want to be educating on the importance of pollinators we want to be um tell, teaching people how to be beeless beekeepers so finding our way to do that as well as building a business mm -hmm. right super mission based how do we get there not everyone can be a beekeeper 
So we've sort of found our way. So it was sort of the distribution network first and then really starting to focus in on the mission and how we parallel that against building a business and building a category. Yeah. Mm. And what about as something as simple as flavor? How did you, I mean, how do you decide that? Did you do some kind of like market market research? So interestingly, what you'll, what you'll hear from most entrepreneurs is right. You have no money in the beginning. So Mm -hmm. my original partner and I, um, the first well, I watched Shark Tank, so I know all about. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you, as you go down this path, you wonder if you ever will oh, have any money. Sure, yeah. sure. But the um, so the first place we started was with honey. Was you know, they, most people don't realize that we have three hundred varieties of honey just here in the United States. So a variety of honey is um, dictated by where the bees are foraging. So if they, a lot of us will see multifloral, wildflower honey, and that means that the bees are foraging on all sorts of different flowers, right? So right. it might be a meadow of flowers. But you also have lavender honey. So that means that the bees are specifically placed in lavender fields to forage on lavender flowers. Or alfalfa or buckwheat. So in the United States, there's avocado honey. There's coffee blossom honey from South America. It's amazing. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's just been such a journey. Yeah. So now, you did could, you know that yeah, before? Say, yeah. Were you interested in that? Like so I was, obs- I was a honey person before. So I was okay. obsessed with honey before. Um, I shouldn't say I was obsessed with honey. I was a big honey user. I am now obsessed with honey. Yeah, sure. Um, And so that was our first place, was understanding the nose of the honeys, almost like wine, how it hit your palate, how it tasted. And then we just started playing around. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first experiment, um, I've been an organic gardener for, you know, probably 20 years. And so my vegetable garden, I went out and I was like, okay. I love hot and sweet together. So I picked a jalapeno pepper, I put it in with some honey and water into a mason jar and I let it sit there for a couple of days and I came back and you know how it gets that stringy stuff when something is decomposing? Yep. It's like, I'm not tasting that. Um, but <laughs> yeah. that, we literally just started playing around with yeah. ingredients. And then we, came, we actually came up with six different recipes and we called family and friends. I think it was about 100 people. I had to Bill Perry's. Um, and I gave them a clipboard coming in. I had them taste all six. And after we were done, and we had all these different questions about what we were talking about, uh, or what we wanted to know, learn. And ultimately, these three flavors were the three that rose to the top. And what's fascinating and very atypical in consumer product goods is all three of them sell equally. And just for mention, it's ginger zest, citrus vanilla, and wild blueberry. Correct. Okay. Correct. And and also different. You know, there's very, really not any kind of overlapping of flavor. Exactly. And what, what our first um, uh, multi-state, so here in Pittsburgh, in the home market, we have Whole Foods, we have Giant Eagle, Giant Eagle Market Districts, and a lot of great support from small uh, independent grocers like Shadyside Market, Feast, and Aspamol. Just amazing support. But our first really large, you know, 160 stores was the Fresh Market, which took us down the East Coast into Florida. And the buyer called me and he said, Michelle, we have never seen anything like this. They sell equally. There's no dog and there's no lead dog, which is beautiful. And it's to exactly yeah. your point. All three sort of appeal to a different, the yeah. citrus vanilla, is super light and refreshing. 
The wild blueberry goes a little culinary with a um, rosemary nose, blueberry, and then a black peppercorn finish. And then the ginger zest is like this earthy floral ginger nose. Then it is. Honey I mean, hit. Yeah. And then the sneaky heat on the back end. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I remember, That's see, crazy. I remember tasting That's a great this. description. Yes. yes. I didn't even know what she was drinking, but I do remember that from the taste. Yeah. yeah that's, yep. That's so we've really, you know, we've really had fun with it, and we've got a couple surprises coming for 2021 with some potentially a new flavor and some other different um, items that are coming out. So we're excited about that. Okay. And, um, and then really what we're excited about, which got, we got knocked off of from, with COVID, is our urban forage gardens. Okay. So urban beekeeping, has it, it sort of flies in the face of what you would think that rural and you know, suburban beekeepers would be healthier hives and more productive, but it's actually urban hives that are the most productive and healthy from a colony perspective. So we had a, um, we had gone into talks with Pittsburgh, uh, Washington DC and Philadelphia to start planting urban forage gardens. So the bees have enough forage to keep their hives healthy. Because one of the things, I know. So, so we're hoping to get back on track with our planting our urban forage gardens. And then we work really closely with Berg Bees. Um, and then another beekeeper here, Steve Rapaski from Meadowsweet Apiaries. Okay. On learning about the bees, working the hives, and those kinds of wow. things. Wow. so interesting. Yeah, Seriously. this is crazy. Yeah. So well, just to tease everybody, in a minute we're going to give you this code so you can get this at a discount. But so woman-owned business you you're i think this is the craziest thing out of it all you had a real you know you had a nice job you had a nice living right <laughs> you you didn't have to go torture yourself and decide to start a business so for any future any woman considering you know midstream you have a great Anyone. job you just want to go do your yeah. dream what what tips would you give at that point um you know one of the biggest things i think is if you're passionate, obsessed about doing something, follow it. Um, educate yourself first, follow it. And it's not easy. It, do, choosing to do this um, is not for the meek. You have to be, you know, as I say, I leap out of bed every day at 4.30 a.m. And, you know, you go all day and just believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and sure. find good mentors. That's the other thing. I have had so many amazing people cross our paths that just you know the community of entrepreneurs and and you know we sort of cross over all these different things as I was sitting here listening to your other guests I was blown away I spent four days in Boulder Colorado last January about this time and it was about regenerative agriculture about recycling and you know that crosses over with what we do sure. we're in a plastic bottle our industry is trying to figure out what yeah. do we do here yep. and it's really really challenging because sure. there europe is coming up with some some options but they're not readily available they're super not they're certainly not available to smaller companies because of the cost mm -hmm. yet but we're we're all sort of working at it together and you know crossing over to regenerative ag or regenerative gardening you know i'm i'm probably one of the people my my neighbors hurt hate the most because i use nothing right i you know you could walk into my vegetable garden you can eat something right off of the vine um but i also let all my dandelions bloom every year because that's the first food for the bees coming out of the winter hive mm. 
which as you would imagine when they go to those puffy little things that scatter all the seeds my neighbors are not happy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse though exactly it could be worse. I could be, yeah, you could be a much worse neighbor oh right? my gosh yeah yeah, yeah. But, oh. yeah but part of that is what's so funny and i love to educate on this one piece because it's part of what we do is there is no organic honey available in the united states we have mm -hmm. no organic hives and the reason for that is sort of what we're talking about bees forage in a five mile radius of their hives for something to be a hive to be certified organic it has to be certified soil up trees dirt everything in a five mile radius it's a little over three thousand acres for it for us to have organic hives it's my big big you know audacious goal to be a part of hopefully leading oh, wow. that one day but the um and it's because of the things that we choose to put in our water in our dirt on our plants all those different things yeah which leads me to my other thing i'll share with you okay. we can all be beeless beekeepers um you know i was sitting in uh outside of uh, denver probably in 2016 17 uh with a beekeeper saying you know we're going to promote everyone being beekeepers we want more bees blah blah and he was like mm, that's not a good plan it's expensive it's hard you know you know you've got to find a different way and i was like okay so what you're telling me is i have to create beeless beekeepers and i was like oh i need to trademark that first but basically <laughs> every decision that we make affects a pollinator right what mm. we're putting so we really have this huge um educational push about you know make good choices look and see if the plants you're buying at your local garden center are neonectinoid free you know, were they grown in an area that they weren't grown? It all makes a difference. So we have this beautiful passion for educating and making all of us be list beekeepers. I love this. That's the t-shirt. Yeah. I don't mean to spoil it, but that's so the t-shirt. Before we go to your t-shirt, so there's a there's a there's a discount or yes. a, a promotion. Yes. If you go for the month uh, starting today through the end of February, if you go, if you go to uh, bloomhoneywater.com and it's B L U M E honeywater.com and you use the code yojagoff <laughs> two zero you'll get 20 percent off your order i love it yes i love it look at us yeah all right and what's We're the website again like bloom bloom b-l-u-m-e honeywater.com nice that's awesome and if, what's your t-shirt this is oh good. so i have to say it's um it's live in full bloom Oh, uh, I was B-L-U-M-E. B-L-U-M-E. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad we finally got the chance to catch up with yeah, you. Yeah, so we've it's emails from Rhonda and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it, it's, it, this was, it was a perfect podcast. So here we go. This is the end of the podcast, right? Yeah. And, uh, we Maestro? Have to, Maestro, it's the end. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I just wanted to right. say that the so whole time. So we have time. to thank Michelle. We have to thank Bob. We have to thank Melissa and Mike, Mike and Sarah. And thanks to He's Colin never good with names, Parrish. so this is impressive. Yeah, and and, uh, and thanks. I mean, this is just a bit. Of, thanks to Tracy again, who puts all of this Listen. together. She puts us in a place of, to be successful with all these. And when I share the podcast each week, like I feel hokey saying, like this might be my favorite. This was so educated. You you yeah. hit it on the head. It was so educational. Yeah, we went a little over this week, but you know what? It's worth it. Yeah, just do an extra ten minutes on your treadmill while you listen. That's all. So thanks again to everybody. Thanks to, especially to Rory Conda. Right? Yep. Oh. We, we didn't think we didn't think Hillary. I was like my my, for, my maestro. Right. I almost said maestro. My maestro. But 
Thanks to Roraconda, Christmas may be host to mega deals that we can drive away with happy, but February is the month we love at Roraconda. For the first time ever, Roraconda will offer 0% financing for up to 60 months on select vehicles. We say don't be a jagoff and ask which ones. Head to West Liberty Avenue and check out the options. Okay, 2020s, CRVs, HRVs, and Ridgelines, as well as 21s. That includes the pilot, like Rachel drives. Listen to the podcast and head to Rorick.com for all of your vehicle needs. 